welcome to the executive brain focused on the self-actualization of today's executive leaders through science and stories i'm your host grinnell connor Keith Scott and Rebecca Klein-Scott co-founded Tall Small Productions with the mission of helping leaders communicate in a clear, concise, and engaging style that results in action. Tall Small Productions leads communications training and team-building workshops for clients such as PayPal, Toyota, several government-funded agencies, as well as educational institutions. They focus on public speaking, body language, leadership, crisis communication, and media training. They launched Tall Small in 2014 and make frequent TV appearances, weighing in on the impact of communication and politics, news, and daily life, not to mention their involvement in pro bono workshops and giving back to the community. I'm very excited to hear these communication experts share insight and stories on how vocal delivery adds to the overall impact of today's leader. Rebecca and Keith, thank you so much for joining me on Executive Brain. Great to be here. We are very excited to be here with you today. I am so glad to hear that. Excellent. So, Tall Small. Your names are not in there. I hear Tall Small. Tell me about this company and how did the name come about? Well, the name Tall Small has quickly become our name. More people know us by Tall Small than our own names. It came about an easy way. I happened upon a giant. Keith is six foot nine and I don't play basketball, a rarity for tall folks. And the fact that I don't play <laughs> limited my job possibilities to about public speaking. And then I'm five foot two and my maiden name Klein means small in German. And we were laughing about that. And we were in the process of working with a couple of people in a, a very non-professional way doing little activities and all of a sudden sudden someone wanted to hire us and said do you have a company and that's when we created tall small productions we call it productions because we produce strong and authentic speakers who are confident to say what needs to be said and a lot of people think of public speaking is when you are standing up on a stage behind a podium with powerpoint behind you and we see it in a completely different light. Right now, our conversation with you is public speaking. Public speaking is when you are having coffee with a friend in a meeting, and all too often people freeze up because they think they have to act as though they are on a stage. Yeah, I hear a lot about that. I don't know how much I believe that public speaking is the second greatest fear next to death. But what do you say? What do you what have you been getting from your clients, your customers? Well, absolutely is because the biggest fear that people have is the fear of judgment. I mean, as human beings, as we get older and older, we have a fear of how people are perceiving us, how people are judging us, and how we fit into society. It's funny how it occurs once we get older because as kids, we really could care less what people think. And then we slowly start to develop in those teen years, those insecurities. And that's what we're trying to bust down. Any of those walls that have been created around people to cause them to clam up and not speak with true conviction. And we've seen it paralyze people. We've had clients who are in high places at Fortune 500 companies 
tell us that they have called out sick to conferences or other days where they were going to have to speak up in a meeting for fear that others would watch them trip up and they would not be able to face their colleagues. Yeah, so you're saying that this fear of judgment, which this I can definitely say is a huge fear, a lot of people are affected by it. And you're saying it hits people all the way from the CEOs down to mid-level. It affects all of us. Yes, everybody across the board. I mean, the fact is different people get different titles, but we're all the same. But it affects every single person. And for some people, it's absolutely devastating in which they develop anxiety, sweats, fears, nightmares, difficulty sleeping when they know a presentation is coming up. And we're there to help them get past that, to show them that, yes, you are going to get judged. But what's going to happen in the end? Nothing. So let's bring you back to a time where you weren't getting judged and you felt free and you felt open and you had a sense of peace of mind. There have been studies that show that girls in particular are at their most confident when they are in the fourth grade and then it begins to fall. We take our clients, men and women, back to their childhoods, back to a time where they were more playful and didn't worry about what other people would think about their words, their actions, their movements. And when we get people back into that playful place, we find all of a sudden their ability to be powerful speakers comes alive. I see. So this idea of authenticity, which is natural for us, especially in our childhood stages, it's something that we end up losing due to judgment and the societal structure around us. However, I see that sometimes as an advantage because for a leader, a CEO, there's a lot of political game that needs to be played. So you have to be aware of other people's judgment to navigate through to get to the leadership positions you want to get to or the leadership positions you have achieved to get into. So once you're there, now you have to reverse engineer the process to be authentic, to be the best leader and the best communicator and the best motivator, let's say. So how do you, how does somebody juggle all of this? It's a lot to juggle, and you're absolutely right about the politics. Anytime human beings are in a room, in a grouping, walking down the street, politics are involved. Unfortunately, that's the way we operate as human beings because we're looking out for, number one, that sense of self-interest. And we evolve when we look past that sense, and we understand how we can be impactful as public speakers and we juggle it by becoming authentic and authentic in a way that truly has compassion and care for other human beings. And that way we destroy what we call the ego and we allow a person then to open up their heart, their ability, their communication because they have a sense of understanding the role that they have to make it, whether it's their family, their business, a better world in the future. And we're not talking about a complicated process to achieve this authenticity. It is as simple as a leader remembering to sit down with his or her team and getting to know them as people. Because when people are able to create meaningful connections as people and not just by their titles and what they're producing, then we find when something goes wrong or a deadline isn't met or there is a controversy, that people are a lot more understanding of each other than understanding of each other by their title. 
this is very interesting, getting people in the highest leadership positions into a more authentic self. What are your exercises? How do you do this? Lots of ways. One of our favorites is with a set of small wooden building blocks. And these blocks have been with us back and across the country very many times. And we give people a handful of blocks and tell them to build their communication styles. And all of a sudden, this separates it out the people who are in touch with their inner child from those who are freaked out by it. Some people will say, what do I build? I can't do this. What do you mean? Other people start building right away. And then you see all of a sudden when people buy into this idea of play. We also have a game called our um, Like You Know and So game that helps people realize those nasty filler words that we use every day that are basically used because people have a fear of judgment again of silence. They're afraid to be silent. Two reasons. They don't want people looking at them for a while. And second, they think someone's going to jump in and take their place and say something over them. And we teach people that you can be powerful in the silence, but getting rid of these filler words. And how do we do it? We have someone stand in front of the audience. We have them talk about a topic, can say anything they want about the topic, make up story line. If any of those words come out of that person's mouth, everybody drums on their table. Some folks think that's really cruel, but what we realize is that you don't hear these things. Otherwise, you'd stop using them. So you need something like a drumming sound to jar you to say, oh, I really am using so all the time or ah uh, all the time. And the reason we do that game is people will often speak for more than a minute at a time. And people can't absorb more than six or seven seconds of information. And these filler words make our sentences never, ever end. We've been on the phone with clients before, and the single word so might connect 20 or 30 sentences together. And of course, we're going to then absorb something out of context. And the same outcome comes from that building block game we mentioned. We'll have people talk about what they built, and they realize as they talk about it how many filler words they're using as well as how many apologetic words they're using, such as, I was just thinking that I would kind of sort of build blah, blah, blah. And we show people how these words make us sound less important than we are, and then other people perceive us that way. So it seems like a double whammy of an exercise targeting a couple things. One is to enhance clarity of communication. And the other one is to revisit the authentic, pure, natural self. Absolutely. And those are the two key components. And that's why when we talk about our training being simplistic, it is simplistic because really those are the key things. What happens many times, a lot of trainers and a lot of coaches they overcomplicate things and add more layers on. And by the time the person's done meeting with them, they're more confused than when they started. And then they end up taking the binder they received in the training, putting it up on a shelf, and never thinking about it again. The difference in what we do with, with this playful approach is everything that they learn in a session can be applied back in the office as well as at home and everywhere else in life because it's all about how to connect with other people and not looking at it as at work I'm this person, at home I'm this person. I definitely like to look at 
executive leaders that are household names. You can name the companies and the CEOs in them. And I like to look at them and their communication style. I like to see what they say. I like to see what they're interested in. And we also have a huge social media network where you can find what they like, what they're interested in, what attracts them. So I kind of look at, into that because it's, it's a bit interesting. And speaking and oration skills, these are things that I definitely like to assess. However, that's not everything. It's also who they are. You're trying to put these together all in one type of training to have people take this training that you provide, take it to their work and apply it and not put the binder up on the shelf. How do you maintain that? How do you support them to take your lessons and apply it daily for months and years on end? Well, we make sure that each client understands that it's not a, a three session gig with us and then hope you have a good life. They are partners and we build a relationship with them for as long as they can bear to hang out with us. And the second thing is, for no cost, people can email us, give us a call. If they need some quick pointers, if they've got a presentation coming up, or if they've got some questions about something going on in their office and politics, we love people to call us up. Rebecca and I live and breathe to do this. We've waited 40-plus years to come together to create this, and we know it's meant to be, and therefore... We want to genuinely help people live better lives. So we're with them for the long haul. And when we tell people that we are willing to do those emails and those calls, as Keith said, at any time, they don't believe us. Few people take us up on that. But those that do are the ones who will come back and back and back to us. We always make that offer that Keith mentioned for people to call us, to email us, that we'll be there for them. And very few do because they probably don't believe that we are being authentic when we say it. Those that do quickly realize that we are not going to let them go. We get excited when they have their wins. We have a client today who's doing three sessions in North Carolina, and we can't wait to hear how they went. They become extensions of us, and we love following up with our clients, and that is the key to this not dying off. If you bring us in to do a one-time talk, it's very easy for that to quickly become something that, oh, I wish we could go back and revisit that. This takes practice. It's the same as you would stretch for a marathon. You don't stretch for a single marathon and then run many more. You stretch every time. And we help people begin to look at communication that way. You always have to work on improving it. I agree. It is something that is evolutionary and something to continue practicing like many things in life. So I have an interesting question for you. Directors and VPs and above, all the way through the leadership spectrum, do you think there's a general agreement or understanding in this community that communication is really that important? I think that it's coming around to that. I think what's helped out is people realize the absolute dismal failure that social media is when it comes to communication that's real and authentic. Nothing beats eye-to-eye, face-to-face, or as we're doing here, even the tone, the sound of one's voice, because we have many times lost that art. We see many of our clients, especially who are climbing the career ladder, struggle with eye contact, struggle with creating contact, struggle with creating conversations. 
And we see this as vital. And I think that corporate America and organizations, nonprofits, schools are waking up and realizing that this is vital. And sometimes they get that wake up call when we're in a session and we're doing an activity where, for example, we'll have people share something that they have never told anybody else in that room, that no one else in their department knows about them. And they write it down on a piece of paper and then everybody has to guess which factoid goes back to which person. And very quickly, people realize, wow, I really don't know the people I'm working with. And when they find out that, say, Sue loves to skydive, yet Sue is usually very quiet in meetings, all of a sudden, they look at Sue differently. And we've seen this come alive numerous times where people have been given chances to do something, to rise to a new level at work, once the leader of the room sees that they have tried something bigger elsewhere in life. Yeah, well, I definitely have to second that to both of you, Rebecca and Keith, that the craft of communication in leadership, it, it cannot come soon enough. <laughs> so thank you for your work. And please, I'll add fuel to the fire for you both to continue. However, I'll extend the question to the next one is basically it's the same question, but substitute communication skills with the authenticity of the self. Are the directors, VPs, and above all across the executive suite, do you believe that they are finding a general understanding and importance for authenticity? Absolutely. Because when people are not being authentic, that's when you have confusion. That's when you have emails that go back and forth too many times. And when they realize the time and the cost savings that you can have in being authentic, that is the best sales point for it because some people are the naysayers and say, why do I need to know everybody I work with? I don't need to. What does this even matter? But what does matter to them is that their email box is not filling up every single day. People know when you're not authentic and also it's a quality of life. I mean, if you go through life and you're not authentic and you're not real and you're always looking for the next calculation and take advantage of this or that and you're fake to people, that's going to be dismal when you're finally on your, your death grave and you realize what you did all your life. People are searching for meaning in everything they're doing and authenticity is the fastest way to feel grounded and centered in life. So how do you sniff it out? How do you, how do you find it? I know for me, I'm always gut checking and saying is this person real with me or is this is this for real is this really them so how how what are your methods that's the number one method is the gut check and that's again why kids are often better communicators because they naturally do it they know nothing else they have nothing else to compare it to but as adults we overthink and we overthink ourselves out of that gut check for example there have been lots of times where there are crimes where the victim of that crime had a feeling that something wasn't right and could have gotten out of the situation, turned a different street, not gotten on an elevator, but they don't follow their gut because they're worried they're being judgmental. When we follow our gut, it keeps us safer. It keeps us better connected to those around us. And it helps us sniff out people who are fake immediately. Another very important skill to stay very in tune with. 
So I want to say to both of you, I'm very privileged and honored to have you both here speaking to me here on Executive Brain. And I know that you are on TV, you highly sought after coaches working with people across the spectrum of leadership in many different types of organizations. So I'm very honored to have you here speaking to me. Why me though? What makes you think that this message is important to have a, this platform of executive brain in saying what you want to say? We talk to every single platform, whether it's the CEO or the janitor picking up the trash, fourth grade classes in school, you name it. Because here's the deal. Every person needs this. And we don't care what rank, what position of power you're in. We're here to help people become authentic. And if we do our job, we know we've fit the puzzle piece and everything is going to work out for the best. And we are blown away by what you, you are doing, because a lot of times people will have what they think of as a pipe dream and think, oh, I couldn't do that. I don't have experience doing a podcast. I've never done interviews before. And they don't jump at it. The fact that you're out there connecting all of these dots and all of these people from science, from IT, coaches, leaders who would never otherwise listen and connect to each other, that is a powerful thing. I thank you so much for those wonderful words. I believe it's Malcolm Gladwell in the book Blink where he describes this phenomena and it comes from the part of the brain, the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. So I say to my listeners of Executive Brain and to you and your clients to practice using the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. <laughs> Thank you for the tip. <laughs> we will make sure we work that muscle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The brain's a beautiful muscle. Tall Small Productions is a husband and wife duo who are passionate about the craft of communication and do an amazing job at not only teaching it, but being it. Take them to the test and reach out to them at tallsmallproductions.org. They promise that their door is open for all Executive Brain listeners. If you like this episode of Executive Brain, share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. Spread the knowledge of positive fourth industrial revolution leadership. If you want to hear more, find us on Facebook and Twitter under Executive Brain. And if you like my quirky scientific style, I also give executive coaching sessions. Reach out to me by going to executivebrain.com, and that's executive-brain.com. This series of episodes of Techniques from Coaches is soon coming to an end. But we have several more coming up, such as Millennials versus Pioneers and Executives in Motion. Millennials versus Pioneers is where millennials speak about their experiences in entering middle management positions. And in Executives in Motion, we hear from executives who train for amazing physical feats, as well as hear from strength and conditioning trainers who work with executives. If you have an idea to share to Executive Brain or want to be on the show, stop by executivebrain.com, executive-brain.com, and drop a note. Remember, stay focused, stay positive, and be good. Be good.